0: mike moore yes mike moore and dave finch back I in do- the studio
1: here we are at the uh, conference studio and the uh, bowels of northern seminary i
0: <laughs> have you checked all the mics for any covid books uh i haven't sprayed lysol on them in a couple of days um you know uh, i don't know if we're six
1: feet apart i think so yeah i noticed that uh, scott mcknight's teaching a class this uh noticed that you've been spending your time. You've been a little too close to Scott McKnight.
0: (laughs) Just trying to recruit some of those students over to a program where they know what to do with the Bible, not just read it. Amen,
1: you're (laughs) speaking my
0: language. Uh, Uh, I
1: I just don't want any Scott McKnight bugs in the studio (laughs) for our Halloween podcast. Oh,
0: that's good. Sorry, Scott. We love
1: you, man. Sorry. We love you. (laughs) I made a bad joke today. I he had his mask on, and I said, "Well, could you?" And he was bragging about it. He got it from some medical doctor, and supposedly. And I said, "Well, could you get the next one to cover up more of your face?" <laughs>
0: well, you, you, you should you should be nice to him because uh, he let you write a guest post on his yeah. Blog we're going to be week. talking about it today, yeah. so
1: everybody, it's so good to be back with you. That voice, the velvet tones of Mike Moore on the other mic, and this is me, Dave Fitch, and we're here on the Theology on Mission podcast. Do you want to say the little tagline?
0: Yeah, Theology on Mission podcast. Wait, 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 wait. That that's not the tagline. <laughs>
1: that's the title <laughs> can, of the can podcast. I'm
0: literally reading it from the, <laughs> the paper? Uh, where theology meets mission, the questions of engaging our culture for Christ and his kingdom.
1: And I like the last way you... you Hung on the last, yeah. his
0: kingdom, yeah. nicely yeah. done. A l- little cliffhanger there. I, I think
1: you're turning into a charismatic. Yeah, uh, it's uh, been, been wait- a long process. I've been waiting for
0: this. You know, <laughs> it's here. Uh, you know,
1: your dad is a is a Baptist pastor, mm-hmm. and uh, he came from Christian Missionary Alliance roots, and somehow the Christian Missionary Alliance roots uh-huh. never got out of him. Not yet. Uh, us Pentecostals still <laughs> are are there. <laughs> in your dad.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Hey, dad. Dad, we love you. All <laughs>
1: right. So, today's topic is uh justice. Justice. As if we don't talk about this enough on right. this podcast. We do talk a lot about it, don't mm-hmm. you
0: think? We do. Absolutely. And I think
1: it's very important, especially in these times. But uh recently, our friend much beloved neither of us really neither you nor I really know Tim, nope. but you know, he's a much beloved man and thinker, and he wrote a post, hold on, folks, I've got A it Biblical here.
0: Critique of Secular Justice and Critical Theory. Oh,
1: great. I'm glad you got a copy of yeah. it. I actually made a copy of it and forgot to bring it down to the studio. You
0: want to see it?
1: Uh, no. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, Tim made um, an argument for a biblical critique of social justice and critical theory, by the way, let's let's stick to the uh, critique of social justice, okay, uh, for this podcast, and then next week, folks, we'll come back with the critical theory. By the way, my crit- critique of Tim Keller's critique, uh-huh. is, uh huh, is on Scott McKnight's blog yeah. this earlier this week on a Monday. I don't even know what today is, but um, anyways, we invite you to uh, look that up. Uh, but we're going to be going through it. Live here on the podcast. So let's start out with uh, the, the good. Um, Tim Keller uh, basically starts out by arguing there is no one singular
0: universal theory of justice in mm-hmm. the West. Yeah, and he's riffing off of your guy— one of your favorites, Alistair McIntyre. Uh, why do you say he's one of my favorites? I'm just curious. Uh, I saw you do a talk like a year ago, and you started the talk by referring to Alistair McIntyre.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I miss Alliance. You know, uh, this is interesting because I, uh, I actually went, I used to teach introduction to Christian ethics here at mm-hmm. Beloved Northern Seminary. Yeah. And uh, when I and, and we don't teach it anymore, maybe we should, and maybe we will, I don't know, after right. this podcast, who knows what can happen. But uh, I, I, re- I required Alistair McIntyre's sure. After Virtue, yeah. And um, a New Testament professor who was here at that time, no longer here, whose name shall not be mentioned. We love you if you're listening, uh, said, that book is too hard. Hmm. You can't require that book uh, at, at a graduate level. Uh, Christian ethics yeah. introduction, I go, uh, I think we can pull it off. And this Were you is in that th- class by I Jesus? wasn't,
0: but but you're referring to after virtue, right? Or yes. who's justice, which rationale? No,
1: right? I was referring to after virtue. Didn't I say that?
0: Uh, I, I don't remember. Oh my but goodness. I was what? not in that class, but I have read that book.
1: Well, After Virtue, uh, so I went back to my old notes here, and I was just going through it because I'm actually engaging folks for some of you. I'm We're engaging some issues in sexuality, and mm-hmm. I think that Alistair McIntyre's After Virtue book and the kind of critique of the Enlightenment project yeah. uh, is very important to understand when you're talking about sexuality, but that's for another podcast. But um, <clears throat> all that to say, he does outline a kind of a history of justice that follows Alistair McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's just uh, talk about this for a minute. There was a time, I think, uh, maybe before you were born. Yeah, definitely before you were born. Yes. Uh, somewhere about the time when I was born in the 60s, maybe even further back, the 50s or the 40s, when the church, the United States of America church, whatever that might be, evangelical or Protestant, mainland could, af- could assume that uh, the word justice meant the same thing to everybody who speaks English. And by the way, it meant what we meant when we said it. By we, I mean the church. So Protestant Christians um, at large, especially white mainline Protestant Christians, but I think that evangelical Christians have kind of taken up this mantle in the last 30 years. um, We uh, basically assumed that... We were speaking the same language when we were speaking about justice, yeah. and we even assumed that people would listen to us when we argued for justice. And you could say, in the words of Rauschenbusch, Bush, we were we were in charge of Christianizing the social order. Mm-hmm. Do you think this uh, mode of operating in the world of justice still exists among Protestants and
0: evangelicals no. today? No. You got to define what justice is. I think the I think this is from a Hauerwas uh, essay. He's talking about courage, and he has this phrase. He says, "Courage is now armed," meaning that courage has um, a certain flavor to it. Like you can't say courage and mean the same thing that somebody else means when they say courage. But I think I think about that with justice now. Justice is now armed. We can't assume that we're talking about the same thing when we say the word justice.
1: I thought you. were, You know what? I was I was shocked by mm-hmm. your answer. Okay. Right now. Um, Because I feel most progressive Christians, um, Mm -hmm. and most, I'm going to step on your toes right now. Do it. Most Reformed Christians (laughs) assume that when they say justice, they are talking the same thing as the rest of the world. And I'm not so sure they even think they have to explain it. They assume everybody is for justice. Right. What who in the world could possibly not be for justice? Right. But which justice are you referring to? Right. But you're doing a McIntyre move, and I don't think most progressive Christians uh, no. uh, that go to First Church of, uh, of Kankakee. Right. Uh, have read Alistair MacIntyre. Yeah. Um, I want to establish, and I want people out there to think about this, how we use the word justice when yes. we walk outside the, uh, on the street, down Main Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we all mean the same thing? And have we assumed that we mean the same thing? And so I want to argue that I think in a lot of ways our speech habits as Christians assume we mean the same thing. I'll give you another example. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about justice, but let's say the word gay. Sure or lesbian. Mhm. Uh, I think uh, affirming or not affirming people right, right. assume we all mean the same thing yep. when we yes. say the word gay. And of course, I've made this argument on this podcast and other places. Just take a drive around Chicago, and if you go to Hyde Park, South Side, University of Chicago, gay or queer means different than Belmont, uh, mm-hmm. what we used to call right. Boys Town in Boys Town, North Side yeah. of Chicago. That's a that the, the word means different things. than, I say in Wheaton, where the the gay community. Uh, rallies around different purposes, causes, and understandings of what it means to be gay. So uh, if gay can mean something hmm. different, how much different, uh, how many different innuendos, ideas,
0: drivers, drive Inurations, the meaning yeah. of the word justice? Right. And, and and this is what you're saying. You're saying, hey, when you say justice, which justice are you referring to?
1: Yeah. And I think that's what Tim Keller's saying. And he uses Alistair McIntyre yes. skillfully to make his point I think what we have to realize as a church in the United States of America, uh, I already, whenever I go north to Canada, it seems like everybody's aware of that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, uh, not everybody, but um, we have to realize, all of us have to realize, in a, that we're in a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi country. We can no longer assume Christian, uh, parochial, understandings of justice and assume the world means the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that means we have to uh, engage the world differently.
0: Okay. So you and Tim both agree that justice is contested, but you're trying to engage him on a different level here. Am I right?
1: I, uh, I want to engage Tim on the issue of foundations. Yes. Um, and, and how do we engage the world for justice? So, so let's just take, Let's just talk about this for a minute, Mike Moore. Okay, uh, you went to Bluffton College. You mm-hmm. studied Anabaptist theology. Right. One of the tenets of Anabaptist understandings of the way church-world relation works is that the church, under the lordship of Christ, with every member having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there are things that can be that can happen: independence and trust. Mm-hmm in Jesus Christ as Lord by the Holy Spirit, things like forgiveness, things like uh, healing, things like uh, reconciliation, Uh confession of sin, Um, even the way we are with people, there is a transformative power of God's presence at work among those of us who have made space for him to work and submit to him as Lord. And we bring that into the world. Mm -hmm. but. We cannot assume those things of people who are not in the same relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Right. So how can we expect justice, which in Jesus Christ, there's a justice being born that is dependent upon all those things. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about marriage and the transformative powers of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ in forgiveness, reconciliation, renewal—that's uh, worked in marriage. Can we expect people to be married out in the world who do not know Jesus the same way we can expect people who do know Jesus to be married?
0: Right. No. No. I'm. I'm. I'm following, I'm following your argument. So my all question
1: the way. is, how can we expect? Um, how can we engage a world for God's justice in the world and expect that justice
0: to take shape in a world which does not yet recognize him? I don't think Tim Keller would disagree with you. We can't expect people who are not Christians to embody justice in a way that is centered on Christ and embodies the life of the church. What I see him saying is there are these different iterations of justice, whether it's John Rawls or whether it's Kant's, Uh, consequentialism or Marxism, and he lays them all out, and then he says, and here's biblical justice, and this is the best option. This is the best form of justice out of all these options.
1: And he actually does, like, a kind of Niebuhrian uh, argument where he goes through each one and shows how the lack, uh, the the good part of that justice is found in the biblical justice, and the lack therein in that justice is made up for... Um, But in the biblical justice, so you do that four times and you end up with a
0: powerful view
1: of biblical justice. Right.
0: Well, it seems that you guys are diverting on the issue of foundations, and he cites an article to establish his, right?
1: He actually cites an article, an interview that Christian Smith has with an atheist. And at the end of that, oh, three paragraphs, it sure seemed like the uh, conclusion was we are in need of a foundation. So my question is, in what way is this biblical justice, which I actually like, in what way is it a foundation? Right. And I'm trying to get people to think out there about how we engage the world for justice. Um, Because do we assume? I've got the justice. I've got the one justice, the biblical justice. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to go out there and tell people and argue for it, maybe like Tim Keller just did, mm-hmm. and get people online to follow Jesus and do justice. Is right. that how we're going to engage the world for justice?
0: Right, right, right. right. So if I can review, it sounds like you and Tim both agree vis-a-vis Alistair McIntyre that the word justice is contested. But the difference is the difference of engagement. You're saying it's hard to make biblical justice a foundation and argue that people should be drawn to biblical justice when nobody knows what we're talking about, when nobody knows what it means when we say the word justice. So it's about posture. It's about engagement. Yes.
1: And, and, and by the way, this, this, this just... So the whole thing comes down to by what posture are we as pastors... Are we as Christians going to enter the world right. and work for justice? Yeah, and uh, do we? Uh, I, I put it uh, I put it in terms of two options: option A mm-hmm. and option B. Right. Option A: We view justice as a foundational, objective truth to be argued for over against other versions of the truth. Yes. Uh, Ahistorically. So there is some sense that maybe this is what Tim Keller is doing Mm -hmm. when he is arguing for biblical justice as the best justice. Uh, But it's not explicit. But option B is, is justice a tradition to be worked out in our lives as the church Hmm. in the world alongside other justices? Um, and and displayed and offered to the world out of that space, um, non-coercively, <laughs> a yeah, posture yeah. of humility, and uh, working piece by piece, hmm. issue by issue, uh, town by town, village by village. Right. Um, I feel like the history of the church in the United States is uh, that we have seen biblical justice as that which should be the justice of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so we've sent uh, senators in to argue for this view on this issue or this issue because it's biblical. I feel like evangelical people on the right say, I argue biblically for this and this and this uh, view of of whatever the issue might be. Therefore, I've got to go work very hard to get judges to enforce my biblical view of justice. Mm -hmm. And I do not believe by the way that's the way god will work in the world and i do not believe it's actually working at all very well right now right in our country no definitely not working well i see all right so um uh the point here is and and i know i know i've been talking a lot you're good um but i'm not sure Uh, and by the way brother pastor reverend dr keller uh, has said he's going to have a follow-up article. Not oh, really? Necessarily, I didn't know that. Uh, he, he said it on Twitter to, to me, but uh, he said it might help clear up some of these issues. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that and uh, appreciate him uh, you know, interacting with us. And by the way, Dr. Keller, if you ever want to come on the podcast any time, both Mike and yes. I will drop everything, <laughs> run to the Griffith uh, Sound Studio. Sound Studio in the bowels of Northern Seminary (laughs) Library to have you on. Um, But, you know, so the question is um, that I worry uh, that the Church might confuse option A and option B. Again, option A, foundational objective truth, justice, to be argued over against other versions of justice in the world, uh, say, in, in the House of Congress. Or is it B, a tradition of justice to be worked out in our lives under the lordship of Christ in a body of a of, in a body of people that displays God's justice in the world alongside other justices and call people into it. Uh, Alistair McIntyre's idea is that this is worked out in history. Yeah, and it's almost like let the best judge justice win, right? Right, and I right. believe. I believe, I I am confident in the Lordship of Christ and that his justice will win and be manifest as we humbly live and work out things Hmm. piece by piece. Hmm. But um, I, I think that A, it delivers on a different posture. A, the posture is convince others to live up to our standards, or is it B, allow this justice to be the work of God to be put on display for the world to see it and be invited to join in. Do you get the difference in the postures?
0: Yeah. You can't know what biblical justice is outside of the community whose vision of justice has been formed by the Bible, the church. So we start with that particular church and then we work out from there to bear witness. To, to uh, quote uh, that
1: great one, Stanley Hauerwas, who we, we never quote in, never. Uh, at this podcast. Not yet. Uh, he is His famous phrase, which if I can find it... Uh,
0: the purpose of the Church is not to make the world more just, but to make, to
1: make, make the, the world, world the world. Uh, yeah, the call of the Church is not to make the world more just... But to first make the world the world, in other words, help the world understand itself in relation to God's justice, so that um, the the world can be called into it. Okay, so we're just about running out of time. Mm -hmm. What what difference does this make to you, Mike Moore, as a pastor in the way you want to lead your church into justice? Yeah, good question.
0: Uh, How about I throw a case study at you? I've seen this. In the universities here in Chicago, on the North Side, the South Side, all over, and you know the church that I planted on the North Side is mostly a college church, and I still do a lot of work with them. We have a lot of members of that congregation, a lot of students, who are rallying behind these calls for the university to uh, cut their ties with the Chicago Police Department to be part of the defunding of the police. So. When that is posed as a justice issue in our congregation, because it is, how do we engage with our congregants? How do we lead forward in discernment and wisdom? So where do we begin?
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, uh, Someone says, look, uh, Loyola University, uh, their position on racial justice in the police department is outrageous. And I think the church should do something about it. Uh, The next question is, okay, what do you think the church ought to do? Right. And uh, this person would say, we need uh, an option A, uh, we need to determine what to do. We need to go tell them, and the authority of God, that the police need to be put in their place. They need to be defunded to some extent, and we need a better relationship. Uh, uh, We need to tell them that they need to get their act together in the way they use violence, especially against African American people. Um, Option B Mm -hmm. is what?
0: You tell me. Okay. Option <laughs> I, pre- I, pre- I appreciate you giving me the mic and leading me down this road, but <laughs> I'm going to turn it back to you.
1: <laughs> Option B is let's figure out what it means uh, to uh, be just yeah. as a people towards African-American uh, people. Let's go and listen to them. Mm -hmm. Let's go hear what the issues are that they have with the police. Then uh, let's go discern what Jesus is doing in the midst of this. Let's invite a policeman to breakfast with three of our friends who are African-Americans who have been the victims of oppression or uh, 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 prejudice and other uh, violent behavior by police. And let's ask what God... Is doing here, mm-hmm. and then let's let's say you know what we, us police shouldn't be doing A B and C. The policeman says, "I'm seeing stuff I haven't seen before." Yeah. Then let's go to the mayor and say we had this wonderful meeting, and we believe that God was working in this meeting, and we heard A B C and D, mm-hmm. and out of this came some proposals. Is that the de- Okay. Do you see how that uh, yes. is option B versus the other option? I just think it's a different, non-coercive, yeah, yep. engaging of the work of Jesus relationally, incarnationally, exploring what it means yeah. uh, to depend upon Jesus. Uh, to bring justice to the world. And by the way, it'll happen slowly, more incrementally, piece by piece. It'll bleed into every little nook and cranny until the whole world gets saved and Jesus
0: returns. Yes, yeah. The first one sounds more like powering up, how do we coerce people? The second one is more like powering down, Um, you know, how do we submit to people and build relationships? And I don't mean power in a negative sense, but um, the first one is... Yeah, talking more about how do we, you know, kind of wedge our way into conversations and force force our um, desires. And the second one is yeah. more about one, how do one, we learn from people?
1: One, one last um, kind of comment, and you tell me what you think about this. Uh, you and I use the uh, differentiation of Christendom, post-Christendom mm-hmm. all the time. Christendom, the church is used to being in charge. Right. The culture is largely Christian. We can assume a whole bunch of things, like people will listen to us uh, uh, when we tell them what to do. Yeah. Uh, in post-Christendom, we're no longer in charge. We're minority people, and actually we cannot expect people to be Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Christendom, I believe our tendency was to argue or reason from the general to the particular. Yes. Uh, This is what justice is. Now we're going to go tell people what to do and argue Mm -hmm. for it. I believe some of those bad habits, those Christendom habits are still with us in, uh, for a lot of us who are living in post-Christendom. Right. In post-Christendom, We must go from the particular to the general. Yes. And that's what I was trying to illustrate with the Loyola situation. with The police violence against African-Americans in the neighborhood. We don't go from the general to the particular. We go from the particular
0: issue Mm -hmm. and then to the general. Yes. And that was the distinction I was trying to make too, which you start with the particular. um, And I oftentimes like to say, Jesus is particular in source. But universal in scope. I mean, that's the story of Israel, God electing Israel. Yes. You know, Jesus fulfilling Israel's mission. Yes. It's very particular. Like we know what it means to be human in this world because of Jesus, particular man, 2000 years ago in Palestine. And it has a universal scope for all of humanity. Isn't it amazing that, that, that God is,
1: the way he chooses to engage the world is through the particular yes. first, then to the universal, Yes, not the opposite way. Right. Because it's our God is not right. coercive. He is right. love.
0: And I think this is a snapshot, perfect example of the difference between how the Reformed and the Anabaptists approach these situations and topics.
1: But I do want to say, in general, folks, this is the difference between us Anabaptists and the Reformed Calvinist Mm -hmm. position, uh, which is used to being in charge in Christendom, and for those reasons goes from the general to the particular. Anabaptists go from the particular to the general. Now, you come from CRC. Mm -hmm. Did I overstate myself right there? Um. Well?
0: (laughs) Well, you start with jesus because you are an, in Anabaptist, baptist and he starts with creation because he's reformed so you have more of this post-liberal narrative bent. he's looking at more scholastic categories but overall on a whole i think there's a lot more here that's similar between the two of you than is different
1: all right i hope we haven't overwhelmed
0: everybody out there yeah i hope so too <laughs> because you know we have a small enough audience as it is <laughs> you your dad yeah, you think your dad is even listening right i now? i i think so i i hope so
1: well he, he had a few questions on facebook yeah he did but oh, I, way, well, I, can hit my facebook page I, yeah Chest. uh we have these kind of conversations but uh, i don't think we got to your dad's question no but maybe the next podcast okay, we will next podcast all right folks well uh I hope that helps, uh, and, and we might have Tim Keller on in the future. Stay tuned. Yeah, let's see what he says. We'll take a uh, we'll take a, re- a positive review if you can hand uh, one to us on one of the uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Theology on Mission podcast, where theology meets mission. And uh, until next week, uh, same time, same station. It's uh, Dave Fitch, Mike Moore, over and out.